physical therapist and we're having a podcast and a youtube channel bob and brad but only one half brad heineck here is going to be here but we have a better half other than bob and it's chris the pharmacist hey guys so today we're going to talk about the title is how does aspirin work and today's guidelines uh this is going to be uh very interesting for pe people 50 and over but everyone will have a good interest in it we're going to explain how it works and that the new guidelines which is really uh was interesting to me because yep. it changed how my mother takes her medication yeah it sure does right uh so before we go any farther chris do we have anything else to to mention about this aspirin and because what I like to do is go a little history. Sure. Because aspirin. It's been was around like, forever. Right. And when I was a kid, that's all there was. Yeah. I mean, I never heard of Tylenol, you know, in the 60s. Nope. Uh, all these other ibuprofen was not there. If you had a problem, it was aspirin. Yep. Everybody did aspirin back in the day. But I understand it goes back a little bit further than the 1950s. A little bit further. Maybe they, we can just touch on that because yeah, some I mean, people might be interested. Absolutely. Well, aspirin has been around for thousands of years, but it hasn't been in the form of you know, the aspirin tablet that we see today. I mean, actually, ancient Egyptians and Sumerians like 4,000 years ago were chewing on willow bark. And so willow bark, just the components of it have naturally have salicylate in yeah. there, which is the anti-inflammatory component of aspirin. Okay. So basically, they knew whether, you know, through trial and error, that if they chewed on the bark of this plant and they had a headache or a fever, it actually gave them relief, and it's documented. Oh, wow. So ancient Egyptians documented it. Uh, Hippocrates, the father of ma modern medicine. Oh, uh, sure. So you're talking, you know, f uh, he actually used to use a tea that he would give to pregnant mothers to help to relieve their pains with childbirth sure. and labor. Uh, and he also used it for fevers and headaches. So that so, had aspirin, that Well, it was willow bark, so it sure. had the salicylate in it. And sure. so it was just, but there's a variety of different plants that actually contain the salicylates. Oh, okay. So it's not just willow bark, but that is probably one of the more common ones that's been used for years. And years. I mean, you're talking about thousands of years. And as we roll fast forward into the 1700s and the 1800s, you had interested uh, pharmacists and scientists that would just kind of tweak and go, well, why does this work? Sure. And about the mid-1800s, an uh, enterprising uh, pharmacist actually isolated the active compound. And then a few years later, uh, they could actually make it in a tablet form, so they knew exactly what it was. And then by 1897, Bayer, which is the famous company in Germany that, oh, so, that okay. got the patent in 1899, essentially patented it was the first you know, basically, so Bear was a pharmacist or a doctor. Or? Bear, Bear was a scientist. It was a huge German pharmaceutical company. Okay, but it was based after a doctor, and they invented this. And they used to actually market it exclusively to pharmacists. They actually did them in powder packets back then before they made tablets. Okay, and so they their marketing ploy at the time was to give it to pharmacists and doctors, and they would give it out to their patients. Sure, uh, for fevers and aches and pains. So then it just kind of continued to be a common use uh, treatment. And then, how does it work? I mean, we talked a little yeah. bit about, so you said it, it comes is from the, this plant. It is and, the granddaddy of all NSAIDs. So, I mean, it's, it's the first so natural. NSAID, 
non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. So anti-inflammatory, yep. if I want to simplify so, but it. Actually, it works for fevers as well. So it's antipyretic would be another name for that. Okay. So basically, so you can use it for headaches. You can use it for a toothache. You can use it if you sprain your knee or your ankle. Yeah. You can use it for fevers if you're over the age of 18. If you're below the age of 18, that can cause very serious rise syndrome, which may or may not have heard of. That's a pretty fatal brain and liver condition that can be brought on by the use of aspirin after so, a virus or... Oh, so is there's an age component with that or you said after... Yeah, you really don't want to use aspirin under the age of 18. Oh. So at least if you're using it to treat a fever or if you've recently had a viral infection. Rye syndrome is, is very rare, but very difficult to treat. Oh. Uh, oftentimes it's even, even with the best trained minds, it looks a lot like meningitis, at least in the early mm. get-go. So it's something that we have to be careful with. But I, I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid, it was always, you know, talked about. But I mean, yeah. in the last... 20 years with my daughter 20 years ago i don't even know if aspirin was an option i mean the, the doctors never said use aspirin it was usually no. some other yeah it, it, was, it was either tylenol or ibuprofen at that point sure so i mean or acetaminophen right so right, uh, right. but yeah so i mean but that's not because of this no they just stopped using it probably in the mid-70s they just said if you have a fever don't use aspirin if you're a child below the age of 18. okay after that i mean you know because like when i had my teeth extracted when i was like 11 years old doctor just or the dentist just told me take two aspirin i still yeah. remember it <laughs> i mean it was like two and there was kind of a running joke i was take two aspirin call me in the morning Sure. Uh, it was just kind of a running right, thing. Right, and so, you know, we're, we're old enough to actually remember some <laughs> right, of these things, but, right. but at the same time, I mean, it, it's certain, you know, I mean, the drug's got 120 year plus 120 year track record. So right. it's, it's unbelievably safe. It's unbelievably effective. Uh, the WHO world health organization, uh, they listed at the top of their list as one of their most essential drugs that everybody should have still and, today. Yep. And a buddy of mine had a pharmacy professor that said, if you, <laughs> if you're trapped on a desert Island, this is what you want to have with you is aspirin because it's going to help if you have a fever. It's going to help if you had pain, sure. a headache. Uh, so it actually does a lot of different things. And oddly enough, not, there's the coronary effects. So it helps to thin your platelets. So it minimizes your risk for heart attack and stroke. And it actually may help to prevent colorectal cancer. So there's, there's a lot of things that aspirin does. It's a very versatile jack-of-all-trades drug. So then keeping that in mind, it's like now they say, like for my mother, use it for uh, to prevent any heart problems or CVA or stroke. Yep. And they said, stop, stop that, that the new research says it's not good. And maybe it's because of her age specifically. Okay. So, so we're talking about, about this one right here. This is what you said, 81 milligrams. Is that? Yep. That is the low dose aspirin, which therapeutically most, most doctors now are going to recommend the 81 milligram or the three, I mean, the 325 was used effectively as well, but more often than not, you're going to see it as an 81 milligram. Yeah. And you notice the reason that we kind of selected these for a couple of different reasons. This is just plain old, normal, regular strength, 325 milligram aspirin. This is low dose, 81 milligram aspirin. In the old days used to be called baby aspirin. You'll notice that it says safety coded. So with that, oops, sorry, safety coding. <laughs> Don't hit that uh, one. I'm not gonna It'll be you. all right. All right. That said, <laughs> yeah, this, this is what happens with the new guy. Um, so, but nonetheless, the 81 milligram seems to be more efficient at helping to keep platelets from being, you know, helping from the glutinate or getting sticky and clogging up your arteries. You know, so this is why it works. It works a little bit better than that one does. But not anymore because if you get over what age and they see. Yeah. So basically aspirin, uh, the guidelines are now between 50 and 70. So, oh. and the reason for that is, is that, 
there is a risk of bleeding with aspirin. And so oh. I've seen that personally firsthand uh, with my mother-in-law. So it was something oh. where she had a hemorrhagic stroke and she was a regular aspirin user. So and it oh, just so whether or not it was the essential causative factor that caused her brain bleed or not, sure. you know, it right. certainly didn't help. Because so if you're over 70, doctors are probably going to say, drop the baby aspirin? With discretion. So it just okay. kind of depends on your risk factors. Um, and, and so that's where all of this comes down to. So they're looking for, you know, stomach ulceration, which is a GI bleed or sure. other bleed, uh, or, you know, if you burst a blood vessel and, you know, because this slows down the clotting effects, which is why it's so protective for your heart, sure. for heart attack and stroke, you know, especially if, as we age, we all get atherosclerotic plaque mm -hmm. that builds up in our arteries around the heart. And so if we can, and basically just think of like, when you take aspirin and not to get over, you have thrombioxane, you have cyclooxygenase. These are all things that help with the stickiness or the slickness of platelets. And when we take aspirin, it mm -hmm. makes those platelets slick. So it's kind of like coating it with WD-40 to get them to squirt through. So you don't get a clot. So it doesn't clot. So yeah. it allows blood to move more freely. So it minimizes the risk of ischemic you know, damage done. Let's say it's in your heart, the cardiac muscle, right. or you know, obviously in the brain with a stroke. Right. Okay. But then there's the two types of strokes. So there's the bleeding stroke, which is rare, like 3% of the strokes. And sure. the other ones are all due to a clot. Yep. So those are the ones that at that 97% is what aspirin does so well at protecting against. But, but if you're over 70, we're over then it, 70. It's a gray zone. It's a very, yeah, it's a very gray area. And so that's the risks for bleeding is much, much higher at that point. And so right now, the newest guidelines on the studies were done, Florida Atlantic, University of Wisconsin, Madison, and also Harvard, Brigham and Young Women's Hospital. Okay. So those three schools all kind of came together and did a significant amount of, of research kind okay. of relaying these new guidelines. So it's not to say that if you're under the age of 50, you can't use aspirin. I mean, a lot of people can safely use aspirin for you sprain your knee, sprain your ankle, you got a headache, you got a fever. Sure. If you're over the age of 18 on that fever uh, category, um, it's very effective stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it works, as, you know, but it, but there's risks with ibuprofen too. One of the most common, or excuse me, aspirin, it, the most common one is usually stomach ulceration. So sure. it's always important, you know, always, and you've noticed this one has the safety coating. Um, the coating was designed to protect your stomach against uh, stomach ulceration. Yep. Um, so it doesn't dissolve in the gut. It dissolves in your intestines and oh, that's where it absorbs. Kind of but, bypasses that part. Yeah. But the controversy with that now is they actually think that that's not that great either because it, you may not get as much benefit from the aspirin when oh. you need it in a hurry. Mm -hmm. So particularly like if you're having a heart attack, if you call 911, hey, I think I'm having a heart attack. Those 911 operators are trained to ask some specific questions, making it on blood thinners or anything else. Yep. They may actually have you a couple of aspirin before the aspirin ambulance gets there. Oh, really? And that, that difference can save your life. Oh, wow. So it's, it's important. And if you had an enteric coated tablet, that slows down the absorption. Oh, sure. It's not going to do as much right. good. Right. So right. that's where some of that controversy is in. But so this 325 milligram, that's your standard dose aspirin. And, dose. and that's what you would take one or two of those if you yep. had a fever. Had one or two every four swelling. to six hours apart. Yeah, that's kind of how that would be dosed okay. for pain and inflammation or fever. But if you have a history of like GERD or... Um, heartburn, then aspirin's not a good choice. Yeah, then you want to, and, you, and really when it comes down to what do I, I'm between the age of 50 and 70, what do I do? You want to discuss this with your doctor. Sure. Your doctor's going to have the most intimate knowledge about your medical history so that we can ensure that what we're giving you is going to be the most essential thing. I right. mean, you can certainly talk it over with your neighborhood pharmacist. They're going to be happy to share their yep. thoughts. Um, but at the end of the day, your doctor is going to be the one that says, 
well, you know, Brad, you're, you're a, a newly dosed diet, you know, you got a diabetic and you're a smoker and you don't exercise much. These are all, op- this is anti-Brad, but, uh, so, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of these things sure. where, you know, then in that case, maybe a daily aspirin, we're going to pretend you're, sure. you're 38 years old. Maybe a daily aspirin would be effective for you, but your doctor should be the one making that test because there is that bleed risk, sure. which actually can have some very severe complications. Yeah. So and usually for the younger patient, it's going to be mostly GI, but also older patients too. Um, just the way that our bodies work is we coat the uh, stomach as well as they used to. So higher risk for ulceration. So we have to be careful. So, you know, what do we tell people when they take aspirin to use it safely? You want to make sure they take it at least with eight ounces of water. That's probably one of the most important things you can do with aspirin and probably to take it with a little snack or a meal that will also help to buffer and make it absorb a little bit more easily in the stomach. So that's how you try and minimize the risk for GI disorder. But really it's that eight ounces of water and, you know, probably don't lay down and recline because that you can get some of the refluxing action and then all of a sudden it can start to cause some damage because it is, you know, so if you're going to take it before bed, take it an hour or so. Yeah, at least an hour before you lay down. And so, but you know, the key with any time you're taking a daily dose of anything is consistent timing. So we want to take it about the same time. And you know, the interesting thing about aspirin, I mean, within an, it begins to work within an hour of it being put in your body and it lasts, it has the effect on platelets for 10 days. So, you know, sometimes people, so that's the, where you would prevent the heart problems or the stroke or, yeah. Yep. So when you, and that's the most common use these days. I mean, people typically gravitate more towards acetaminophen or Tylenol yeah. or ibuprofen for headaches, you know, or sure. Motrin, Advil, that type of thing. It's just because they're faster acting. They, they still, uh, well, ibuprofen does have platelet effects, but not to the extent of aspirin. Sure. So they kind of gravitate to those more just because okay. they're a little bit more gentle in the yeah. stomach, less side effect prone, but still incredible stuff. So if we have someone, you know, older like me or even older where aspirin was their kind of their go-to thing and they're healthy, they don't have any problems, um, they could still go oh, yeah. ahead and use it. without. I any... think you could feel very confident in the product itself. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the things to watch out, you don't want to take it if you're on a blood thinner. You don't want to take it if your doctor tells you not to. You don't want to take <laughs> it if you have either asthma uh, because sometimes it can trigger bronchial spasms. Oh, so it's kind okay. of interesting. So there, But it could be more or less due to the allergic component of aspirin. It's still kind of a hotly debated topic. Sure. And so, okay. but that said, you know, so there's a couple of precautionary things that would maybe we would tell you to be careful with and, or to avoid. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty, it's, yeah, it's pretty specific. Yeah. So, so. like, I, again, if you're generally healthy, like, you know, I don't yeah. really have a doctor because I never go and I went to have a physical and he doesn't know me that well. I mean, he mm-hmm. just, talked to me once and the last time I had a physical that doctor left and they keep running away on me I don't know I they know. don't like me I know but anyways <laughs> so I personally would feel comfortable taking an aspirin if I sprained my ankle I had a fever and yeah. I would feel very oh yeah relaxed. and it's and it's phenomenal stuff and again you know it goes back to how versatile the drug is sure so it can be utilized by many I mean the other thing I wanted to touch on too just as a precautionary tale um so you know, some debate as to let's say you're going to have a dental procedure and a, a surgical procedure oh, right. because this does create a bleed risk it stays in your body for 10 days so but if it's a minor procedure most doctors sure. and dentists are saying you can keep taking it. Okay. So that is A-OK because the ble- they, they have special, they have hemostatic gauze and gelatin containing sure. products that help sure. to cause clotting. And I'm sure if you're going to have a procedure where that aspirin, the doctor's going to say no aspirin so many days prior Correct. to Correct. Yep. So, but always, you should always let your doctor, hey, I'm on an aspirin regimen. Sure. So it is important for your long-term safety as well to let everybody that's, going to be involved with whatever aspect of healthcare, they know what you're on. Yep. So share it with your yep. pharmacist. 
because it's over the counter in so many cases. Although yeah. we do see prescriptions for it, but it, sure. you know, from it, you should let everybody involved know. Yep. So it looks to me like aspirin's here to stay. I think so. It's not going anywhere. It's yeah. cheap. It's effective. You know, I just I just had a case the other day at work where I had an uninsured patient and they needed to take a prescription anticoagulant, and what was selected by the physician was uber expensive. I mean, like sixteen hundred bucks a oh, month. Wow. Uh, no insurance. So uh, I mean, that, that's a mortgage payment for for and yeah. it was just something that couldn't be. So aspirin to the rescue. We just said, well. So did you make that decision or did you call the doctor? We How called the that... doctor and said, okay, this guy's uninsured, even with things that we have discount cards and things that every retail pharmacist works on that uses to try and defer costs if they don't have insurance. Sure. And it just wasn't making anything reasonable for the gentleman. Sure. And so as a result of that, we just said, you know, what about aspirin? And, yeah. and the doctor said, yeah, we're going to have a discussion about that. So I think it was on the doctor's radar, but sure. we just caught, we didn't, we weren't privy to the conversation. Yeah. We saw the price tag and we're like, Ooh, this is going to be really hard on this person. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, good so, job. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just something and every, I'm not special. I mean, every, every pharmacist does that. That's normal. Yeah. You know, and I, I got to say outside of the aspirin thing, I've got a, a friend and you know, but he said, yeah, Chris saved me a ton of money at the pharmacy because he made some recommendations and I didn't realize that that happened. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, cause I never go. I, well, I mean, well, I mean, and a, it's just an aspect of our job. We don't, right. you know, if we can see a cost saving alternative and we can mention to the doctor and if the doctor, agree, more importantly, the doctor has to agree to it. <laughs> we don't get to do those things. Right, right. So, but it's, it's like, Hey, this is available. And sometimes, Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, let's do sure. it. So yeah. usually it's just kind of a case yeah. and it works out slick for the patient. Everybody wins. I say most excellent to that. All right. Most excellent Very indeed. good. <laughs> Aspirin in a nutshell from 4,000, 6,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago to today. To today. And it's all right in front of and you. It's, so. And it's going to keep going. That's right. Enjoy. And uh, hopefully you don't need any aspirin. Have a good day, guys. Thank you.